Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Good morning, everyone. Another FizzCast, another DraftCast, whatever you want to call it. We are back. Jaron May here with John Eads. Whew. John, second and third rounds happened last night. A lot happened, a lot to break down. But Syracuse finally off the board. Two guys taken. The Orange are in the pros. As we predicted last, oh, not last night, yesterday in the morning, Jaron, we predicted that Iffy and Andre Sisco would go on day two, maybe a little bit later than we expected there and. Uh, the start of round three and then towards the bottom. But uh, nonetheless, two Syracuse players in the NFL. So we'll hop into those Syracuse guys in just one second, but let's first start off with kind of just our general thoughts of day two. So again, round two and round three just happened. Now it's going to be four, five, six, and seven upcoming today. But I want to get your first thoughts. What kind of, you know, when you were watching, made you scratch your head and say, wow, that's a confusing pick, or maybe something that said, wow, that was a steal at that position? Yeah, so, you know, days days two and three are opportunities where teams can kind of build their depth up and get some players that could lead to, you know, good wins, good Super Bowl wins in the future. So these are very important days, very important picks. So you really got to pay attention. And one team that I thought got a steal was the New England Patriots, Jaron. Your, your Pats there in round three, towards the end, taking Ronnie Perkins, who was just sliding like on a slip and slide. The entire day, a guy with first round talent at the defensive end position slid all the way to late in the third round to the New England Patriots. And he's a guy that a lot of people had a first round grade on. And you pair that with Christian Barmore, you're going to have a very good defensive line. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that that was a great pick and go Pats, right? Uh, but I probably shouldn't say that since we're in central <laughs> New York and probably a lot of Bills and Jets and Giants fans are listening to this right now. So I'll take that back. Uh, I think one of the guys that if we want to go steal right now, is Trayvon uh, Merrig from TCU. He went number 43 overall. There were some rumors that he was going to go first round out of TCU, the safety. He was going to go to the Raiders, which eventually he did go in the first round. But the Raiders instead, and we talked about this in the last draft cast, if you want to go check it out on our SoundCloud, uh, at Orange Fizz. But we talked about how the Raiders reached for their first round pick. Now they kind of get the guy that a lot of people thought that they would have picked, but in the second round. So I guess that's a win for them. I was a little surprised that he slid so much. Uh, I also was surprised that, and I'm going to try to pronounce his name, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. That's right. I basically like to call him Jock because that's his initials. Uh, But the linebacker out of Notre Dame sliding all the way to 52. And we got to see that firsthand for Syracuse fans when SU took on Notre Dame this past season. He he was the real deal. And to slide all the way to mid-second round at 52, I think that's a steal for the Browns. And then you also had the Buccaneers spending the last pick in the second round on a quarterback. Uh, I was watching, I was actually watching this with, you know, our friends uh, at the Boomer Bust show they did a live show and it came to the last pick of the second round and they did like an over under one quarterback taken in the second round everyone said over but no quarterbacks were taken then I was like wow guys so no quarterbacks in the second round huh and then the Bucks go ahead and draft uh, Kyle Trask there so that was pretty interesting but one head scratcher for me Jaron give it to me what do you got Tutu Atwell at 57 (laughs) to the Los Angeles Rams (laughs) 
not a fan of that pick. I don't think a 155-pound receiver is going to survive in the NFL. Well, here's the thing, and I'm going to kind of you know make a connection to Syracuse here. Uh, the Orange have Jackson out there. They have Tristan Jackson uh, with the Rams, and Tutu plays a pretty consistent game, pretty similar game with Tristan. So that you know kind of makes me worried as a Syracuse fan because you obviously want to see the Orange and the Pros succeed and stay on rosters, but Tutu, as much as he might not be a great wide receiver in the Pros, he could probably take that spot from Tristan, so that would be kind of a bummer for all SU fans. And I'm just not sure... Well, the thing with Tristan is he's a little bit taller. He has a little bit more vertical aspect to his game. I just... I don't don't see... Tutu Atwell succeeding against NFL corners. I think he's not physical enough. He's not big enough. And, you know, whether yeah. that's his fault or just genetics, whatever it may be. Uh, the point is he was drafted in the second round, so good for him. But uh, I'm just not a, you know, if I was a fan of the Los Angeles Rams, I'd be pretty mad. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'll say. So I think the only way that he succeeds in the NFL is if he kind of takes over that Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type of play where he's a slot receiver that he needs to bulk up. He, he definitely needs to do that. But he has the speed to beat guys in the slot, and he's going to have to run crossing routes and be able to take some big blows and get right back up. Right now he doesn't look like that guy because he's too small, but when you get in with an NFL strength and conditioning coach, anything can happen. So Tutu went at 57 overall, 25 in the second round out of Louisville, another ACC guy. Uh, and that's kind of a, a conversation I want to have that – we saw a couple tweets last night while this was while the second and third round was happening. The ACC through the first three rounds has 25 draft picks. That's the most that the ACC has had through the first rounds ever. So 25 draft picks. And as much as I don't want to make excuses for Syracuse football this past season because the Orange were just objectively not good. And there's plenty of content that we have written and talked about on our FizzCasts and on OrangeFizz.net. There are, in the ACC, there are so many talented players in the ACC, and the conference was just so stacked this past season, and now it's finally being proven. Yeah, it's nice to see that. It's not just Clemson, too. The talent's pretty spread out. Yeah. I mean, we've got two coming out of Syracuse here, a defensive tackle out of NC State, some talent out of North Carolina, and, you know, of course, Clemson, they're going to get theirs every year, right? But it's not just the SEC boys in Alabama kind of stealing the show. It's been It's been pretty spread out, a lot of talent going to a lot of different places. One last talent that I will uh, mention that's not Syracuse, and then we'll get into the SU guys since that's probably why you're here and why you're listening to this draft cast. Uh, Carlos Basham Jr., Boogie Basham out of Wake Forest. We saw him dominate Syracuse for a couple years now and the ACC for a couple years. The Bills, and this is probably good to talk about since there's probably a a fair amount of Bills on this draft cast right now. Uh, Boogie Basham is a steal at 61, and I think that that was on my list of great picks in the day two. At 61, that is fantastic. Some people are going to say they reached for him. They probably could have got him in the third round, or he he had a third-round grade. He has the intangibles. He has the size. He is a bully boy. He's not going to be the type of speedster that's going to use his hands to get past his defender and get right to the quarterback, but he has the size just to bully offensive linemen right into the backfield and block up gaps from tackle to tackle he can play. He's a great great player and I, I personally think that that's a great pick at uh, at 61 overall to the Bills 
So, I'm with, yeah, I'm with you, Jaron. Sorry to cool. butt in there. He's going to team up with AJ Epinesa as well, who's a second yeah. year defensive end out of Iowa. So that's going to be a scary duo. But when they picked Boogie, I was kind of like, well, why did you even draft Gregory Rousseau in the first round? Because they're both. Yeah, defensive I, I had ends, that same. You know. Yeah. Two, two defensive linemen. Now, let's be honest. The Bills are, you know, kind of in a place where you don't need too much. You don't, like, need, need too much right now. You're more in the case of kind of like the Bucks. It's you pick the best available and you mentor him and you get him in whenever he's ready because, sure, you have some needs, but they're not absolutely pressing you have a lot of talent on that roster up in buffalo so i don't think that that is a a horrible deal to take two really good linemen on the defensive side especially because the bills are known to be such a staunch defensive team Uh, i think it's i think it's smart to you know continue to shore up that area and make sure that it is set for years to come so That is kind of our general look at day two of the NFL draft here on this FizzCast, DraftCast, Jaron May and John Eads. Uh, Make sure you go check out all of our content, orangefizz.net. Listen to all of our SoundCloud FizzCasts on SoundCloud at OrangeFizz. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz. Everything, OrangeFizz, pretty easy. Uh, Let's hop into Syracuse side of things. So round two goes through. We were thinking, hey, maybe late round two, one of the Syracuse guys are going to be picked. Maybe it's Andre. Maybe it's Iffy. Who knows who it's going to be? Round two ends. Round three starts. You're like, okay, they got to get picked now. And it was not, it did not take too long. Cisco goes number one in round three, 65 overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that we thought that they could have maybe taken Cisco in the second round, but they wait till the third and they get their guy. Well, they rolled the dice and it worked out. And it's a team that needed a safety coming into the draft and they decided to take Cisco there. He wasn't the first one off the board. I think he was uh, the third safety that came off the board in the draft, yep. but it's a good pickup for Jacksonville. And Cisco already kind of slots in well to the two deep there, Jaron. Actually, the the fourth safety. That's a, I, I'm looking back at it right now. That's a little surprising for Cisco to kind of slide to the fourth safety. So in the second round, three safeties were taken, none in the first round. Javon Holland out of Oregon goes first um, in in the category of safeties, uh, 36 overall to the Miami Dolphins. Then you have Richie Grant out of UCF going to the Atlanta Falcons at 40 overall. And then, finally, Trayvon Merrig from TCU goes at 43, which we already talked about. And then no safeties taken for the back half of that second round. And again, we, we, we said at the beginning of the third, Cisco goes. So is that a little surprise? At least in my opinion, that's surprising for Cisco to slide all the way to number four, which at least on my big board in, in that situation and in the category of safeties, I had Cisco as my number two safety. Yeah, where he was drafted doesn't surprise me. I always kind of saw him as a super early third, maybe late second-round guy. But, yeah, yeah, the fact that a couple other safeties I didn't expect went before him. Now, Javon Holland, I think that one's fair. He was a very good player at Oregon. A lot of people had them as their top safety in their mock drafts. But Richie Grant, I don't know about him going before Cisco or Merrick for that matter. And, uh, of course, the TCU safety going before Cisco, that's that's fair enough because he was the top safety in a, you know, a lot of people's boards as well. And Cisco was always kind of two or three. So, again, going third round, the first pick in the third round doesn't surprise me, but him being the fourth one off the board is a little bit strange. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, now, I, there is something that might have impacted that, and we kind of heard it. So if you want to go uh, watch this, it's on Twitter. And Urban Meyer talked about it, the head coach of the Jags, talked about how they wanted Cisco from the start. However, they were hearing some rumblings that his injury coming off that ACL injury was going to have an impact on his draft stock. So I'm sure that hap- like I'm sure multiple teams were thinking the same thing and said, "Hey, he's a question mark right now. They haven't been able to see him." And we talked about this in yesterday's draft cast and he didn't run the 40. He didn't do a lot of things during his pro day because he was still recovering. I think he, you know, I think he can come back and be that same dude and be that ball hawk. Um, so it's a little surprising to see him slide, but after hearing what Urban Meyer said, it kind of makes a little more sense. Yeah, you always like to be confident in your player's athletic ability. That's why you saw some guys drop so far, like Aziz Ojolari had some injury question marks to edge rusher out of Georgia. He dropped to the Giants there, and it took him a while to get picked off the board. But yeah, if you have injury history, it kind of affects your draft stock. But I think for Cisco, this is where he was going to go anyways, and now he's getting a nice paycheck. I got the numbers up right here. Uh, he's projected to get a $5.2 million contract with a $1.2 million signing bonus. So that's not too shabby. Yeah, no. I I mean, I do not think you're going to be uh, too sad about that if you're Andre Sisco. Uh, so he goes, we already talked about his strengths and his weaknesses. Everyone knows that he's a ball hawk. Sometimes he's not the surest of tacklers. And in the ESPN broadcast last night, Mel Kuyper Jr. just wanted to hit everyone over the head with a pan about that and just would not stop talking about he needs <laughs> to work on his tackling. Sometimes, you know, Sometimes people have weaknesses, but Kuiper was just pounding that in and pounding that in. I don't know why he had to continue to say that. But either way, (laughs) Cisco goes 65 overall, number one in round three to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, It seems like he's happy about that. You saw his reaction on the broadcast last night. So Cisco, first guy from Syracuse taken in the 2021 NFL draft. Also the highest draft pick for Syracuse since Justin Pugh back, I think, in 2014, if I remember correctly, when he went um, in the first round. So pretty good. I mean, Cisco, a, a talented guy and arguably the best talent that Syracuse has seen in uh, almost uh, half a, or more than half a decade. So pretty cool that Cisco went there. Let's now slide down a little bit to the back end of the third uh, round, and that is where we find Ifatu Melifonwu. 101 overall, 38 in round three, and he goes to the Detroit Lions. Yes, sir. I was uh, texting all my buddies back home, and they were like, is this guy good? Is this guy good? I'm like, yeah, man. I'm telling you. been watching him for a couple years now, and I'm really excited about this, getting to watch him uh, at Ford Field there. And I was just kind of picturing his last name on the gray charcoal Lions jerseys. It just fits. You know, it just looks like <laughs> it belongs there. So I love that. Uh, there was a really late run on corners in the third round, Jared. Five yeah, of the last were. seven picks, and boy, I got I got to I got to get down on my knees and bow down to Dallas for not taking Iffy there two spots ahead, and instead going with an Oregon State corner. I was surprised because I thought when when so like you said at ninety nine overall, thirty six in round three, the the uh, Cowboys come up and you see all right the Cowboys need a lot of help defensively and especially in their secondary and they're most likely going to pick a cornerback and that's exactly what they do but instead they 
they don't pick iffy. So then you're thinking, all right, you're looking at the rest of the draft. You you see the Titans, you see the Lions, you see San Francisco, you see L.A. Some of those teams need cornerbacks, but not desperately. And then, like you said, a, a just an absolute run of quarterbacks get taken. So it was a little surprising, number one, to see that, and number two, to see if he fall a little bit because, like we've talked about before, his size is just something you don't see at the cornerback position very often. 6'3", 205, that's what separates him, and maybe he's not you know, the quickest or the most talented, but he impressed during the Senior Bowl. His draft stock completely shot up really quickly once the season stopped and the draft process started to get going a little more. Um, I think it's a great spot for him. I think it's even better other than, you know, maybe Dallas where he could have been a day one starter. I think the Lions are, when you look at their depth chart, is a great spot for Iffy to make an impact immediately. I think he could start his his uh, rookie year, Jaron, at some point because last year watching Jeff Okuda just get tossed around by Devontae Adams and anybody that was, you know, six three above 200 pounds was just, you know, it, it was hard to watch. And if Okuda does that same stuff again this year and he's still not ready, I think Ify Melifamu could take that spot just because, like we said, he's got an NFL-ready body and the smarts as well. So I'm a big fan of the pick. I, I wasn't really expecting it because the Lions have other things that perhaps they need a little bit more. But this guy is a dog. You know, Dan Campbell saying, we, you know, we want to bite people's kneecaps off and all that stuff. I think Ify fits into that mentality and he's going to give you everything he's got every down. So I love it. Yeah, I, I I do not disagree with you there. Uh, so looking at the depth chart for the Lions and kind of where Iffy could slide in here, you already talked about Jeff Okuda. He was the round one pick last year for the Lions uh, coming out of Ohio State. And then Quinnen Dunbar is your other starting cornerback. Those two guys, I, I mean, I still think Okuda has a lot of upside in the NFL, and you talk about maybe him getting thrown around, sure. However, he's still a very talented player and can be a starter on, I personally think, 99% of the teams in the NFL right now. So I think he holds on to his starting spot. Quinnen Dunbar doesn't really push the needle too much for me. He's a, a solid player, but his stats aren't crazy when you look at them. 28 tackles last season, only one interception, only five passes defensed, no forced fumbles. It's just he was fine. He's not crazy good. He's not a, a kind of that cornerback that can go both ways and also attack uh, the the quarterback and, and go after him. And he also doesn't, he's not great in press man coverage. So I think that if he, if he like can actually have a great camp to get, uh, to get off on the right foot, I agree with you. I mean, I think he could be a starter or play a, a majority of snaps in his rookie season, and you know, I think, like I said, the Lions are just a perfect place for for him, and to to be able to get a guy like that, it's it's a I personally think is a win for Detroit. Yeah, I mean, just like Sewell in the first round, Melifamu dropped perhaps further than anybody could have expected, and right into the Lions' lap. And as far as positional things go, I think he'll start Jaron as a as an as the nickel back in the defense. He'll come in on coverage downs. And then maybe perhaps if he pushes Dunbar enough in practice, maybe he'll take over that role. Or of course, you know, injuries happen in the NFL, right? So maybe he'll slide in there if an injury happens. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but it does. And he's there right. ready to ready to go if it does. So 
Right. All right, so those are the two guys that get drafted. Again, two SU players drafted in day two, round three of the NFL draft. Now, quickly, let's preview tonight, or rather this afternoon into tonight, because it's going to be a long one, rounds four through seven. And this is where it starts to get, you know, a little confusing. You can't really predict things because teams are going to go all the way around. But SU has one more player, and that's Trill Williams, another cornerback, another defensive back. We've already talked about him a little bit on our website and in some fizz casts in the past. Uh, where can you – give me just a round. Where do you think Trill goes? What round kind of speaks Trill Williams? Well, we got to establish what position he might get taken as as well, but I would say I, I'm i thinking six all the way, Jaron. How about you? Why six? You, you seem very confident there. Because I got five or six teams down here that need safeties, and he's listed as a safety, right? And each of them have sixth-round picks. Some of them have multiple. And I think that's kind of when you're fine, if, especially if you have more in the seventh round, you're fine kind of taking a shot on a guy. And Trill Williams is the fifth best safety on the board right now. He's, he's pretty high up there. Again, I don't know if he's going to play corner or safety, but I think sixth round is a good spot for him. Yeah, so here's the thing. I I think he's decent. I The fact that he's listed as a safety, I, I guess I understand. I think he can play either DB or safety, and maybe that makes him a little more marketable and a little more enticing for teams. Um, and if that's the case, then good then all, all all the power to him um i'm i can't really predict where he goes i think six is a pretty safe bet for where trail goes i would not be surprised if he slid to seven um i don't think he goes undrafted however he just there's not much there that i really can grasp onto and think yeah he's definitely going to be five um because at that point I think there's just too much talent on the board right now that he can go in the next two rounds so if you want to say six I'll say late six early seven uh, to try to match you and the safety position in the NFL is kind of losing its value as the years go on and I yeah. think this is one of those years so you'll see safeties get taken late and if Trill's being brought in as a safety or just a DB I think he does get picked higher, like you said, because he's versatile. He could play slot corner. He could play safety if you want him to. So yeah, I, yeah. He, he could play in the nickel. Like like he's he seems like a pretty stereotypical big nickel back that will come in and and give you a couple snaps here and there depending on uh, the situation. So. There you go. Troy Williams, the last guy that Syracuse is waiting to get drafted in this NFL 2021 draft. Um, and that's going to wrap this up. John, any last thoughts? I got five teams that you could see him get picked by. And these are all okay. teams that have a lot of six and sevens. Just real quick. Run through them. The go Colts, the Colts, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Vikings, and New Orleans has two seventh-round picks. So maybe you'll see him get picked by the Saints. And you have been seeing that the Saints have put a lot of emphasis on their defense this draft. So exactly. there you go. There's John Eads' uh, predictions. We'll see if it comes true. It's a long day for the NFL draft. Make sure you tune in and make sure you come back here for our final draft cast tomorrow morning. Thanks so much for tuning in. John Eads, Jaron May signing off. We'll catch you tomorrow. Enjoy the last day of the NFL draft.